Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning. I want to welcome everybody who is here, and I want to welcome uh, everybody who's streaming the service online from wherever you are, but it's always good to be in the house, right? Is it good to be in this room? Can we thank Verona and her leadership for us? We don't get to see her as often right now. She's doing a lot of playing on her East Campus, so it's nice. Uh, Keith and Courtney are off this weekend, a much-needed break, and so it's great to have uh, Verona with us leading our team this morning. Uh, I want to ask right at the top of this uh, message, how many of y'all remember that commercial during the Super Bowl? Uh, some of us do, okay? Uh, some of us are still trying to expunge halftime out of our <laughs> minds, all right? And uh, But I remember when I saw that commercial, I was, I thought, wow, that's a powerful commercial and an accurate commercial. And I thought right away, I thought, I'm going to show that uh, when we talk about this last topic. And uh, this morning, I want to lead us uh, in a conversation that I think this uh, commercial tees up beautifully and move the conversation into this last value that we want to talk about. Now, if you've been with us uh, over the last eight weeks, I want to share right at the beginning, uh, we have been exploring, I think, arguably one of uh, the Apostle Peter's most memorable as well as most challenging uh, passages of Scripture. And we've been looking at this idea where he's been reminding us that God's promises, I've said it almost every week, God's promises uh, are perfect. And one of the ways he, when he says perfect, what he means is complete. There's nothing else we can add to the promises of God. Say amen to that, right? I mean, I'm so thankful for that. But um, what Peter's been helping us understand, and we've been taking a very slow, calculated look at uh, over the last uh, eight weeks now, we've been looking at the fact that God's promises are perfect, but our faith is not Our faith is incomplete. And if you're like me, you will reach experiences in your life. You'll go through certain circumstances and you will remember right in that moment, right in those circumstances that your faith needs to grow. How many of you would say in the last 30 days, you have faced some circumstance in your life where you would honestly say, oh, I, I learned in that circumstance, my faith needs to grow. Yeah, there's a lot of us that feel that way. And so, uh, we've been having this conversation. And uh, Peter gives us this beautiful list of things to add to our faith, to round out our faith, and to close the gap in our spiritual maturity. If you think about this, really, here's what we've really been talking about. We've talking about we've been talking about how it is that we grow up in Christ. Uh, I say this from time to time, and I believe this with all my heart. I think if you know, sometimes when you go to the movies and you're going to watch a special kind of movie, and you come in and they give you glasses to watch the movie. And I think if we were to come in here and be given some glasses when you came in, okay, we're going to have a faith experience, and we get we get these special kind of glasses, you walk in, you could see everybody's maturity in faith when you put these glasses on. Would that be interesting? And I think that we would learn in that moment not only about uh, other people, but we would also learn about ourselves and where it is we need to grow. And so there's this gap. Peter's been talking about this gap. And I think about this when I think about moving into spiritual maturity. Here are the things that I think about. A lot of times we can uh, measure that gap. We can shrink the gap of, of our understanding of God's promises and our growing maturity really around three ways. You may want to write this down. Uh, this is extra. This is not even in the sermon. This is free material. 
that I'm giving you right now. And the, one of the things I think is this, it's, it's how, what we come to believe. And hopefully if we're doing this exercise right every seven days when we're in here, uh, we are being challenged about what we believe. I think some of us, I think really to grow, here's what I believe we have to do. We have to learn how to believe some new things. Sometimes our belief needs to be challenged. And here's what I think. You go through life, you pick up these things, you start to operate on these things as though they're beliefs. We act on them like they're beliefs. And then here's what we learn later on. They're false beliefs. They're not good. They're not the kinds of things Jesus would say, uh, build your life upon these things. So sometimes when I think if we're going to close the gap, it involves believing some different things. Sometimes we have to unbelieve the wrong thing to believe the right thing, right? Come on, work with me. And I really think that that's part of what I want to say uh, in this space is that um, a lot of us are in that capacity. So when we come in here, let's just be open to what God by his spirit will say to us about what we believe. But it's not just what we believe. Here's also what I think. It's what we practice, which as a, is as a result of what we believe. Because here's what I think. Beliefs are not static. Uh, you're going to believe some things and you're going to start acting on those things whether they're true or not. I, I remember, I think, sharing one time, and we're going to talk about love and uh, today, and I remember uh, a good friend of mine when I was uh, in school many years ago, uh, I was in a doctoral cohort. Everybody was married except one guy who was single, and uh, he was a really good-looking guy, and we were kind of, we were, you know, when we first met him, I thought, man, I cannot figure out why you're single, and then after I got to know him, you ever meet me, and you go, I get why you're single. <laughs> I have figured it out, and I remember one time I was talking to him, and he said this, I'll never forget this. He said, he was, uh, one of the guys came in from the, another guy who's married and he was talking about, you know, I'm having some struggles. I'm working on my marriage and this sort of stuff. And he said, I messed up. I went back to my wife and told her I'm sorry. And this single guy right away goes, you told her you're sorry. And he said, love means never having to say you're sorry. And right there I went, I know why you're single. I got it. And so here, here's the thing. It, um, we, we close this gap, I just believe this with all my heart, by what we come to believe. And we're learning how to believe some things. And then what we come to practice as a result of our beliefs. Because beliefs are not static. Right now, you're operating on some of your things that you believe. Make sure you're believing the right stuff because you're acting on it right now. And then here's what I think. This wonderful thing about Christian spirituality tells us this that um, Paul wrote it this way. He said, what we believe and what we practice will lead us into who we become as a person. So it's not just belief, it's not just practice, but it's who we're becoming. And, and our faith uh, challenges us in this way. This is why uh, when we're talking about faith and we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, for example, oftentimes exemplified in faith, this is how Paul would describe it. He'd say, it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But here's what we all know, and here's what we're learning. You can't just manifest that. You, you, I can't stand up here today and go, I want you to all go out of here, and I want you to be more joyful. Well, how do you do that? You don't do that, but here's what I would tell you. You, you start to believe some things, watch this now, and you start to practice some things connected to those beliefs, and they will manifest within you the qualities that many of us are working toward. So if you want more joy, you want more peace, you want more patience, let me tell you how you get that. 
You get that by believing the right things and practicing your beliefs. Does that make sense? This is a really important conversation. And so this morning as we're talking about this, we're going to close uh, our series today uh, by looking at, I think, the crown jewel of all that Peter says to us. And he wants to invite us into a conversation about love. He wants us to have a conversation about love. Now, if you're with us last week, we looked at one manifestation of love, which I think is it's this kind of love's kissing cousin. And the word we looked at was the word philia. You saw it there also in the video. It's a kind of love that grows from friendship. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't heard that talk, go back and stream that, go back and podcast that. But uh, we talked about something our language translates as mutual affection. And scholars believe, I shared this last week, that it was actually this kind of love first expressed beyond familial bonds that began to change the world and cause such exponential growth in the church. You go back and study history and you find that the early Christian movement began to manifest a kind of mutuality, a kind of love and devotion to one another, like in circles like this. And I know we're sitting in rows, but think of it as a big circle. And as a result of that, people were drawn into that because they'd never seen that before. There would be some measure of this uh, when you, you know, in terms of your family. But they began to manifest this beyond just family. And as a result of that, it just, it just caused such incredible growth within the church because here's what I believe, because everybody's looking for that. We're all looking for that. And in a world today, I mean, it looks like we're all, we all need it, don't we? world's kind of crazy out there, isn't it? And so this really invites this conversation. If you're with us last week, we talked about just the challenge. We said, what if we were to all up the temperature in here and we were to say, what if we came in here and we began to think differently in here? We began to act differently in here. If we did that just enough, it would challenge us when we leave these doors in a few moments to think and act differently out there. But it happens here first. And so this is the kind of stuff uh, we're talking about. And this morning, we're going to talk about the final one, the last one, which uh, Peter describes as love. So for the last time uh, this morning, what I want us to do, I want us to read 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to begin at verse 5, and we're going to finish out. These are all the things we've looked at. These are all the things that Peter says we are adding to our faith to slow the gap down. We're going to read it together, 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, beginning in verse 5. Let's read it. Ready? Go. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. There it is. Let's pray together. Lord, would you come into this space uh, like you are so faithful to do uh, every weekend. And would you meet us here, God? We want to learn from you. And so, God, we want to hold our lives open that this would be an exercise, this would be an experiment this morning where, where we're not just listening to things, where we're not just enduring a, a, a speech, but, God, you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would speak life and breath into our human condition. God, that you would come this morning and you would lift the heaviness or lift the doubt, that you would lift the struggle in this space and that, that the ray of your sunshine 
would come through. And we can leave here this morning believing that hope exists because of all that you offer to us in this space. For we pray together in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Uh, I was so challenged when I saw this commercial because uh, it just tees up so beautifully this conversation. Because uh, in, in so many ways, when we talk about love in our culture, we only talk about it in one way. We only think of, a, of it in one way. And in the ancient Greeks, like the commercial said, which is very accurate, very biblical, the ancient Greeks had really four different expressions uh, of love. And so there's so much more to it uh, than, we, than we typically think about. I was, I, I was just thinking about this because most of us only know it in one way, and most of us struggle with it. Uh, do you remember the very first time you ever kind of came into the idea, the subject, the content of love beyond the bonds of your own family? Uh, I think I've shared before, I remember I was in sixth grade. I went to an all sixth grade school. So everybody in my school when, when I was in sixth grade was in sixth grade. And I can remember, and so the classes were large. I lived in Bradenton, Florida, and it was like all this growth was happening. And so, you know, it was on uh, split sessions, and it was all this kind of craziness. I would go, my school started at, at, at noon and went to like five o'clock. That's kind of the session I was in, all, all sixth grade. And I, I remember one time going into a science class. I, I believe I've shared this a long time ago. And, and I was in this science class, and, and I was sitting down, and we were sitting in this big kind of round you know, auditorium, and I looked across the aisle, and there was this girl that was across the aisle, and and she was looking at me, or at least I thought she was looking at me, and when I looked at her, she mouthed the words to me. She said, I love you. <laughs> and I wasn't, I wasn't as cool and collected as I am now. <laughs> and I, I just remember when she said this to me, and I was in sixth grade, I did what all guy, guys do. You know, I, I, first of all, I did this. I was like... You're talking to me? I, I don't even know. And then, and then she, and she pointed at me. She goes, you, I love you. And then I just, I just did what I think all of us do. I went, I love you too. I don't even know who you are, but I love you. You know, I, I remember that was the first time I ever thought about it. We're, we're all kind of conflicted about that, right? We're all wonky around that. I have a good friend of mine who's a fantastic man of God. He's pastoring out in Nebraska, and he tells this great story that when he fell in love with his wife, at, uh, who would, girl who's going to be his wife at As, Asbury University, where, where my kids are right now, and, and he said, I fell in love, and, and, and we dated, and he said, there's this beautiful lawn out in front of the university, and he said he walked her out there one night, he was going to propose to her. And he said, as, as he was proposed, he proposed to her and then he started to cry. And, uh, he just like, he just, I was so overwhelmed, he said. And he said, I didn't know what to do and I was nervous. And he said, so he said, I just couldn't hold my emotions. And I said, let's pray. I think we should pray. And he <laughs> grabbed her hand and he prayed and he prayed this log prayer. And Les said, when I, <laughs> he said, when I got through praying and I opened my, uh, my, my eyes, he said, something was coming out of my nose, and it was like about six inches long, and I looked up, and she looked at me like, what is that? And he, and he, and he got so nervous, he, he said, let's pray again, and he said, I went to pray, and he goes, it wrapped completely around my head, 
My wife said, are you going to share this story? I said, absolutely I'm going to share this story. And, and here's the beauty of love. She married him anyway. There, there would have just been this moment. We're all, we're all just kind of conflicted about that. I remember when Beth and I got married, uh, there was this, the, you know, you go through all the pictures of the day. That's sort of the thing, right? Just, you, you just remember. And I remember friends saying, when you get done, your cheeks are going to hurt because of all the pictures. And I remember that the, the photographer, taking all the pictures of the girls in the morning, Beth and all of her maids of honor and all, you know, bridesmaids. And then he comes over to take pictures of the guys. And then he walks me down to this place in, in the church. And he said, I want you to, I want you to just, I want you to look out the, the window and I want you to think about how deeply you love Beth, who you're just going to get married to in the next hour. And I, I just remember him telling me to look out this window and think, think deeply about love. I want to show you the picture. Is that the stupidest picture you've ever seen in your whole life? And, and, and I want you to know, that's how he set it up. I want you to look out, think deeply about love. This is me doing that. Now, here's what you don't know. You can just see it in the very corner of the picture. Actually, I'm staring out a stained glass window. You can't even look out the window I'm looking out of. But that's your pastor thinking deeply about love. And every time I see that picture, occasionally we'll take our wedding pictures out, we'll look at them, and I think, I didn't even know what love was back then, right? We're all crazy about that. Now, here's what I want to tell you this morning. I believe, I believe the same thing holds true with our understanding of the love of God to you and to me. We can't even get our minds and hearts around it. And so here comes Peter, and he's trying to help us, you know, just think deeply about the manifestation of what this kind of love expressed to a world really looks like. And he gives us this powerful list, right? Add to your faith goodness. Add to your goodness knowledge. Add to your knowledge self-control. Add to your self-control perseverance. Add to your perseverance godliness. Add to your godliness mutual affection. But over all of these things, add love. And I, I, I think with all my heart, I, I think we could try and try and try and try, and we can, we can never, never get it. And so every now and again, there are messages, there are topics, there's content you know, around a subject that, that as a preacher, it intimidates me. I remember when I first started preaching at a mentor of mine, made this comment, it was so freeing to me. He, he was a preacher himself, and he said, you know, he goes, I don't, I don't sleep good on Saturday night. And he said to me as a young preacher, he goes, I suspect you don't sleep good Saturday nights either. And he goes, may we all never sleep good on Saturday night. Because this is important. This is really important. And, and so when I think about this topic, it's a little intimidating. And so, you know, for the past several weeks, you know, in our teaching team, we've been thinking about what, what is this going to look like? How are we going to frame this? What, what are we going to do with this? And uh, I, I want to take a I want to take a shot at it. I mean, how how are we to under how are we to understand this subject of of love in a way that that doesn't be that doesn't 
manifests itself just as a knowledge, as a thing in our brain. But here's what I'm hoping and striving for. But something rather that lights our heart on fire. And I think if we're really going to get it, I, I think there's some pieces of, of this I want to share with you. This at least been helpful to me. I think if we're going to understand it, we're, we're going to first say this. We, it, it, we first have to understand when we talk about love that, that it's who God is. God is love. John, the apostle of love, writes in 1 John 4, 8, he says uh, this, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And I believe when John is writing this, John, John is writing from personal experience. I mean, there are lots of opinions about God on the other side of these doors. You know, a God that is harsh, a God that is critical, a God that is judgmental. And most of those opinions are formed uh, from hearsay. I think of it this way. It's a lot of times it's, it's information unexplored. And I, I think the church is a place where oftentimes there's information unexplored. We, we even start, I notice this in church sometimes. We start saying things that we don't even know what we're saying. We just say stuff. You ever been around a, a real church person? They start saying stuff and you go, I'm, I don't even know what you're talking about. And that's occasionally happens still with me. I mean, somebody will say something. I go, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, and, and a lot of time this information explored. I remember a story a friend told me a long time ago. He had a friend who had an apple orchard. And uh, his friend would, would, would uh, offer apples to his neighbors every year. And he had this one guy that moved in. He would offer apples to him. To, and the neighbor never, never would, would always decline. And the guy didn't, didn't understand it. He's like, how, how could this guy not like apples? He's moved into a community. We all have apple orchard. I mean, you're right in Apple Central. I don't, I don't under, And so like the third year he went over, he asked him, he said, I, I got some apples I want to give you. The guy declined. And he goes, I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Do you not like apples? He goes, no, I love apples. He goes, I just don't like your apples. And he said, I don't understand why you don't like my apples. A farmer asked him, and the guy, here was the guy's response. He said, well, it's because they've had them. He goes, what do you mean you've had them? He said, well, he said, you have all those apple, beautiful apple trees out on your fence line. And he said, I've had some of those apples. And he said, they're horrible. And, and the farmer said to him, he said, oh, come with me. And he walked him into the center of the orchard, and he said, you know, it's funny. Uh, those, uh, those trees on the fence row, those are crab apples. And he said, I planted those to keep the thieves out. <laughs> but now listen to what he said. But if you'll walk with me into the center of the orchard and you'll pick the fruit from there, it's the sweetest apples you'll ever eat. And that's what I've been trying to give you every year. There's a lesson in that, right? There's a lesson. And what I want to say, first of all, around this is that this is, this is who God is. God is love. And if we're ever going to understand this kind of love, or even better, if we're ever going to manifest this kind of love, then we first have to come to know God better. And this is the kind of love that emanates 
from this God. God is love. In fact, I've, I've taken by the imagery that in the Bible, God is defined in four ways. The Bible says, first of all, God is love. It doesn't say, now I want you to notice this, it doesn't say God is like love. It doesn't say that. It says actually this, says God is love. Okay, so if you experience love anywhere in your world, here, here's what I would tell you. That's coming from God who is love. The second thing it says, it says God is light. Light. There's no darkness in God at all. It doesn't say God is like light. It says God is light. Third one, for those of you interested, God is spirit. Spirit. And, 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 and the ancient writers would say this, that means that he's, that he's everywhere. Everywhere. And then lastly, it says God is a consuming fire, which is a way that the ancient writers would use to describe that God is holy and perfect. But this wonderful definition that God is love is really important. And I think we begin there, but we don't end there. Uh, I think it's the first thing, if I were to try to crack the code on helping us understand what Peter's getting at, I would say, well, first of all, you know, we, it's important to know that this is who God is. God, God is love. And if we're going to need to move in our own understanding or application of this concept, then we have to know who he is. But then secondly, it's this. It's not only that it's who God is, but it is how God loves us. And, and so, you know, what, what kind of love is attached to this God? I, I, I think of this this way. The most famous verse in, I believe, all the Bible is uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. And put it on the screen. Let's, let's just read this out loud together. Ready? Go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the most famous verse in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. And so we have a God that not only is love, but manifests that love by sacrificially giving to us. I remember uh, years ago, uh, you know, um, thinking about this concept. Uh, I was early in our ministry here, and to be quite honest with you, it wasn't going great, you know. And uh, it was a I remember it being a pressure time of my growth, and I didn't think things were necessarily going great at church. Uh, we were in our marriage with young kids. That's challenging time, parents. Amen to that, right? That was a challenging time, and I had a lot of responsibilities uh, on me, and you know, didn't feel great about all of that. And um, I remember being off at a conference, and at the very last moment, I had some friends that were going to go with me. My friends couldn't go, so I was at this thing by myself. So I had a lot of time to think about myself, which is sometimes not a great thing, right? And uh, I remember uh, I was uh, had one afternoon before the conference. I was checked into this hotel. I was sitting out by this pool, and I was reading uh, from uh, a book that just was so powerful to me. It was uh, Brennan Manning's book, 
entitled The Ragamuffin Gospel. I don't know if you've ever read that powerful book. And I was reading his book, and, um, and he talks about God's love and about his grace. And I just want to read a, a, a comment from this book to you. This is what he says. He says, my life is a witness to vulgar grace, a grace that is so amazing it can even offend, a grace that pays the eager beaver who works all day long the same wage as the grinning drunk who shows up at 10 till 5. A grace and a love that hikes up the robe and runs breakneck toward the prodigal, reeking of sin, and wraps him up and decides to throw a party, it no ifs, ands, or buts. A grace and a love that raises bloodshot eyes to a dying thief's request, please remember me, and assures him, you bet. This vulgar grace is indiscriminate, compassionate, works without asking anything of us. It's not cheap, it's free. And as such will always be a banana peel for the orthodox foot and the fairy tale and for the grown-up sensibilities. This kind of grace, this kind of love is sufficient. Even though we huff and puff with all our might and try to find something or someone that, cannot, that it cannot cover, and we learn in that moment, grace is enough. His love is enough. And I can remember, I want to tell you all this story, I, I can remember reading that and, and being so overcome, it just sort of hit me all in this moment, and I started to cry. And I'm out by this pool, and I'm sitting by myself, and I'm starting to cry. And I, I just need to be honest with you all, it was like an ugly cry. It wasn't ugly as my friends cry. <laughs> wasn't that ugly, but it was almost that ugly. And I remember this guy walking over, you know, they had these uh, waiters out by the pool. It's this nice place where they're holding the conference. And a guy came over after a while and he's like, he's like, are you okay? And I said, I, yeah, I'm all right. And I'm, I'm just, he's seeing me and I'm weeping. And finally he came by and he goes, can I get you a drink? <laughs> and I said, no, I don't drink. I don't drink. And I just kept crying. And finally, finally came over later and he asked me again and I wanted to go, well, what do you got? I don't know. I mean, may, maybe. And, and it was just such, it was such a powerful moment for me that I've never forgotten it. And, it. and it was when his love, I think, was made real. And, and, and I learned in that moment, you know, I was striving in so many ways. And I felt like God's spirit was saying to me, stop trying so hard. I just wonder right now, the Spirit of Jesus would say that to some of us in this room. Stop trying so hard. I'm here for you. I love you. I've given my life as a demonstration of that love. You don't have to earn it. Just receive it. This is such a powerful moment for us. We would all understand that it's who God is and it's, it's how God loves. We sing it. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the ninety-nine. Couldn't earn it, don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. 
Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. I want to say one other thing. Really, everything we've talked about in this space right now, this is the first half of the gospel. The first half of the gospel is about forgiveness and reconciliation and the reckless love of God in Jesus Christ. That's the first half of the gospel. Can I tell you what the second half of the gospel is? It's being transformed by that love into being a person who reflects it in the world. One of the things I love about the story of God's grace is that it might as well be about forgiveness and reconciliation, uh, and it is. But then there comes this moment where the second half of the gospel becomes about transformation. We begin to live what we have experienced and tasted. And this is the last point I really want to say. It's not only who God is, it's not only how God loves, but it's God's evidence of, it's really the evidence of Christ in me. And this is really where we need to end today. It's not enough to know of this love. And, and I only want to say this with all courage. It's not enough to even experience it. Really, the, this, the secret sauce here, y'all, is in that we become creatures who manifest this love to a world that needs to experience it. Amen? We didn't do this this year. We do this every now and again. We're kind of an ancient future church, and we try to keep things new and fresh. Uh, we haven't, this past Wednesday, we started the season of Lent. And we had, um, and, 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 and there was Ash Wednesday. We don't, again, we don't do this every year, but occasionally we'll do an Ash Wednesday service, right? And we, we'll mark foreheads with ashes. Just a reminder that we are, we are sinful, and God has given his life for us to, to, to make us clean, right? And there's a, there's a strong message in that. I remember years ago, uh, we, were, we had an Ash Wednesday service, and I had gone over to Home Depot. I, I think I've shared this. I'd gone, gone over to Home Depot, and I had the mark of the cross on my forehead. And I, I, there, I, I've, I'm over at Home Depot enough that I know all the guys over there. And, and I was talking to this guy in the plumbing department. I look for him every time, and, and he's a guy that, by his own admission, has lived a life far from God, you know, and he learned I'm a pastor. He calls me father. <laughs> I've shared this, I think. And, he, and, and, and he, 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 he said to me one time, you know, he said, uh, this was before this experience, you know, he knew I was a pastor, calls me father. He said, I can never come to your church, you know. He said, man, it would, the church would fall down if I walked in your church. And then after a couple of years, he knew me. I came in there, I had the, you know, the cross, it reminded him again. He goes, he said, after learning about you, he said, knowing you, he said, I feel like I could come to your church. And I, I remember, I thought, well, what a compliment. But then I think he was kind of saying, you're as so messed up. I think, <laughs> I think actually I would be okay in, in, in your church. And, and I don't know, I took that, I, I guess, as a compliment but it's all about the manifestation of this. Um, this is the point. It's who God is. It's how he loves. And, and it's his evidence in me. I remember years ago, there was a Gatorade commercial. Maybe you remember it. And, and there, all these 
elite athletes and they would drink Gatorade and the commercial simply said, is it in you? Is it in you? And so I thought this morning I, I would close by reading, I think, what you would imagine the, the premier example of the manifestation of this love into a world that needs to experience it. You've, you've heard this before if you've ever gone to a wedding, but I think it's a disservice to only read it at a wedding. And it's 1 Corinthians 13. Paul says it this way. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith even that can move mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. And then he defines it. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Wow. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Even where there is knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes the imperfect disappears. For when I was a child, I talked like a child and thought like a child. I reasoned even like a child. But when I became a man, Paul says, I put away childish things. And now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, and then we shall see face to face. Now I know only in part but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And all these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these, the greatest of these, the greatest of these is love. Lord Jesus, would you teach us to love like you? Would you increase our capacity, O oh God, to have a kind of love be the manifestation of our lives, anything less than what we're aiming at here? And I thank you, Lord, that the Apostle Paul and the way he described it gave us such a list, such a litany, such an expression that we could spend our lives trying to explore the depths of it and never 
fully get there. God, would we be the kinds of followers of Jesus that have appropriated your love into our life and that we no longer walk in sin and shame but as free people in Christ and then that we become conduits of that love in a world that is waiting to experience it. This we pray in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. You know, God, give us a capacity that that wouldn't be just a song, but that, Lord, you might help us love you the way we should and that we would love your world and your people the way that we should. This we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Go in his grace and in his love. We'll see you next weekend.